0: You know, this morning, as you, you think about this thing, uh, we're not running for a participation certificate. We're running for the prize. You know, the church isn't and also ran, among many other different types of uh, groupings and people that function on this planet. We, we, we believe that we are a, a, a royal priesthood, Right. A holy nation that we've been called by God uh, to serve Him as His body to reach out to a world that's dying without Christ. It's getting late. It's getting very late in time. You know, we lose sight of that sometimes because we get so fixed in what we're doing, and we just look at all of the all of the things, and we process them through a, you know, a lens that might not always be a scriptural lens. And, uh, you know, we look at it scripturally, we've been given one life, just one. You're not going to come back as a cat or a dog. Thank God, how many are, uh, I I mean, that would be a bad joke if I came back as a cat. Uh, that, for me, it would be, you know, I'm allergic to cats. And uh, I would be allergic to myself, I wouldn't want that. Uh, but anyhow... Uh, when I leave this world, I'm going to be with Jesus, and the only way I'm coming back is when I come back with Him, and uh, I thank God for that. You know, I'm not, uh, I got one lifetime, you know, I'm 58 years old, so a good part of my life has been lived. There's pro- I'm sure there's less in front of me, most likely, than there is behind me, and I'm okay with that because, you know, as I advance toward heaven, I don't have any regret, about that. How many, as heaven gets closer, you're not living in regret because you know it's the blessed hope that we should be with the Lord. But until that happens, we serve with diligence, we serve with passion, we lay it all out. You know, amen? You lay it all out. You're not leaving anything behind when you live for the Lord here in this life, you're not leaving anything behind. You're not, seized, you're not leaving any opportunities that God has set before you unseized. You're seizing the opportunities that God has set in front of you. Think about how close we are to eternity today. How close we are to eternity. You know, I'm, like I say, I'm at my age. I'm not worried about the midlife crisis. It's already came and gone. I can do the math, Right? I mean, if I do the math and, you know, midlife to me, uh, some of you uh, should be, if you're 40, you should be in midlife crisis. Not us 50-some. We've graduated. And some of us are even way down the valley. All right, that didn't go over so well. I'm just (laughs) kidding, but... But some of the disciplines that, you know, Paul talks about these races and these boxing matches and these wrestling matches that were part of the games uh, that were in, in, in uh, Greece. And, and whenever he talks about them, he equates them to uh, other disciplines. He, he builds a bridge between the, the physical and the spiritual And you know, he talks about it because the people were familiar with these games and they knew that those who really were serious about winning these contests, they trained. You know, they brought their body and their minds into subjection to the to the goal. And you know, as those as believers, we look at the similarities and yet the transcendent nature of living for God, we see the similarities and the need for discipline in our lives. How many know that discipline is not a bad word? It is an essential part of growing in Christ. You know, the lack of discipline is not freedom in Christ. It's disorder and chaotic. You know, when we live for God, structure is not a prison. You know, discipline is not a restriction, uh, but it it, it is something that is required in our lives in order for us to be what God has created purpose for us to become. So as we talk about that, we've talked about prayer. We've got through most of one point. Uh, But some of the other disciplines that we're going to talk about today include uh, one of the ones that don't tune out on me when I say this, fasting. Because we talk about fasting and we think, well, no, not fasting again. I don't want to fast you know, the natural man just kind of says, I don't really need to do that. It's not that important. But there is a scriptural basis for it. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. And the other thing, uh, other thing scriptural, scriptural focus. If you're going to make it through this life and you're going to live as a champion for Christ, you've got to have a scriptural focus, you've got to have a foundation. You have to have a constitution by which you live. And the Word of God is that constitution for your life and faith. We're going to talk about waiting. What does it mean to wait as a Christian? You know, that's another terminology or a term that we don't always like to hear, wait. Because we live in a a world where we want the instant. We want it to happen yesterday. And uh, waiting is an imposition upon us because we've got things to do, places to go, people to meet. And therefore, waiting is a very difficult thing for us to do because we feel like unless we're moving, we're not doing anything. Unless we're doing something, we're not actually being productive. So we talk about waiting and we're going to talk about meditation You know, meditation is a very important part of our our developing the frame of mind and the disposition that is required to live as a champion for Christ. We're going to talk about speaking the Word of God. You know, we read the Word of God, but we also need to begin to speak the Word of God. Come on, how many hear me this morning? Speak the Word of God. You know, that's what Jesus did when the devil came and and tempted him, right? I think Jesus, how many believe Jesus is a pretty good example? He's the primary example. He's the head of the church. He's the foundation of our faith. So when we look at this, we're talking about uh, meditation, speaking the word of God, application of the word of God. People need to see what this looks like. You can preach it someone all day long, but until they see it in action, it really doesn't hit home with them. People want to see Jesus in you. They want to see the principles of the kingdom uh, acted out in your life. You know, they want to see it through our kindness. You know, of all the things that Jesus did, one of the most overlooked things that he did is recorded in Scripture when it says that Jesus went about doing good. You know, we like to focus, and rightly so, on the miracles, on the things that he did, you know, but that, that were just bam. But it says he went about doing good. How much good are you doing today? How much good am I doing among other people? You know, are we ambassadors of that which is kind and good and benevolent? How engaged are we with people? Come on, think about this because this really brings it home because we can profess a lot of things. we can quote a lot of things, we can do a lot of things. But how many of us have committed to what Jesus was doing when he went about with purpose to do good? You know those are the little things that aren 't sermons they 're not long or 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 a tape what a what are oratory. Thank you, Robin. That was a very good catch. You, know, you don't need a soapbox to live for Jesus, right? Come on, church. Your life is a message. The way you live it, the way it impacts other people. I want you to stop. Think about this. How many times this week have we intentionally shown goodness to somebody? I mean, have taken time to deliberately do something good for another person because of the love of Christ in in us. We're going to talk about serving and being a servant. You know, people aspire to be leaders, but in the kingdom of God, here's something you got to keep in mind. There is no such thing as a leader that is not prefaced with the word servant. There are no leaders who are not servants. If you aspire to be a leader, you must be a servant. That's not an option. You remember when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he said, I want you to go and do the same thing. Put it into practice. So if we're going to be what God intends us to be and live the life of a, of a, a champion believer, we have to be willing to serve. And then the last thing we'll talk about, not all today, but the romance of worship. How many know that there is a certain romance of worship? It doesn't mean mean men become effeminate. It has nothing to do with that. It's just this intimacy, this exclusive nature of worship. How many know we don't worship Jesus and we worship the Lord only? We don't worship things and other, you know, there's not a 1A and a 1B and a 1C and a 1D. We worship God. The Bible uh, says, I even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior, no other. There's no other. This is an exclusive relationship that impacts our lives in such a manner that we want to introduce everyone to him as our beloved Lord and Savior. So we've talked about a good part about prayer, and we've talked about the disciplines that are essential to us living this life effectively. And as we said, and just for prefacing this, if you're going to have some type of surgery, you're going to have open-heart surgery, how many would prefer to have someone who's done it before? Someone who's proven that they can do this effectively. And, you know, so as much as we want a heart surgeon to be uh, qualified to have a a proven track record, you know, God wants us to become trained and effective in the way we live this life so that we can be a go-to person. You know, we're living in a day where we need go-to people, and you are the people that God wants and has called uh, to be the people that will say to others, I'll be that go-to person. Come on, church, you know what I mean? When people are anxious and they're fearful, I'm talking about people that don't know the Lord, and they're looking around to find someone who seems to be holding it together and strong, someone who has joy, someone who has life. You are that go-to person. How many here know that? Whether you're in high school, junior high school, whether you're you're at workplace, you're that go-to ambassador for Christ. How many know God wants you to be an ambassador for him? He wants you to be that go-to. Because ultimately when people come to you, you're going to introduce them to who? Jesus. So that's why that you want them to come to you. How many say, Don't tell people, don't look at me. I'm not perfect. Number well, number 1, we aren't perfect. And do we really have to tell someone that? All they have to do generally is be around us for about a half hour or less and they will find out what we have wasted time telling them. How many would say like Paul, follow me. As I follow Christ. You're not ashamed for people to look at your life and to follow, follow you because you're going somewhere. You know whom you're following. And if you're not following Jesus, then I wouldn't advise you to invite anyone to follow but if you're following the Lord and walking after him and when people follow your example ultimately they're going to see the Christ that you follow and they're going to say thank you now I see him just like the Samaritan woman went home to her community she told the people she had, she had met the Christ and they were excited there was a buzz people made all kinds of uh, decisions and then they said you know after having met them met the Lord they said we've heard from you now we know and we, have, we know, and the world will know, but maybe you're the ambassador standing at the intersection of life for them. You know how important you are? Come on, church. Oh, I'm not important. I just, uh, not, It doesn't matter who I uh, It matters a whole lot because you're his workmanship. How many know that's not a small thing? How many here know you're God's masterpiece? Oh, I don't know. I got all these problems. Yeah, we all do. But where his grace makes us his workmanship. How many know you're saved by grace, right? You're not saved because you're a good person or because your parents and grandparents went to church. There was a day when you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and he became Savior in your life and Lord. You know, people say he's your Lord and Savior. I, to me, I just see the order differently. He can't be your Lord without being your Savior, right? So when he becomes your Savior, then he becomes your Lord as you surrender all to him. You know, as I look at this today, we talked about prayer and we're moving past that. Sometimes as we think about prayer, that's what we do as we think about it. But prayer is both private and personal. We all know that. There's a personal, and we talked about, prayer is aligning ourselves with the will of God. It's that intimate fellowship we have with the Lord. It's where we bring our needs. It's where we bring our petitions, but it's also where we have a conversation with God. How many here have conversations with God? You know, so, you know, If you're in your car and you're talking to God and people are riding by looking at you and they think you're crazy, just think. It could be one of two things. You are crazy or they may think you have one of those things in your ear and you're talking to somebody. But I want to tell you, God wants to talk to you. God is a communicator. You got that, right? God is a communicator. Wouldn't it be boring if we worshiped a God who didn't have the capabilities or the desire to communicate with us? You know, you could worship these pews, or you could worship this plastic thing, or you could worship any object and get the same results if God was not a God who sought to have fellowship with you. Because there would be no response. And, you know, there are a lot of people in this world that are following after gods that offer no response. There's no life in them. They're chasing after gods. And, you know, prayer is one of those great, great blessings. It's not, it, it, when we say it's a discipline, it doesn't mean that it's a punishment. Bless, a prayer is a blessing. How many consider it a blessing to talk to your Savior? How many of you find it a, a, an incredible honor that the creator of this whole thing is willing to converse with us? i got to tell you, I hear God talk. And I think every spirit-filled believer should understand that God talks. He speaks. He whispers. The whisper of God is, is more powerful than the, the, the large, the, 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 you, know, the, you know, everything. But this morning, as we come, we have the corporate part of prayer we've talked about when we come together, and uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we've been talking about this. But I want to talk this morning a little bit about fasting. You know, fasting is one of those things that we always. I always believe in my life that that it's one of those things that is a personal thing. It's a personal discipline yeah the it, you know when we talk about fasting, it's more than just not eating, right? You know that you know that there's more to this. I mean uh you know fasting you know not eating without any thought toward God is just it's commendable, but it's called a diet. Fasting is one of those things that is a deliberate spiritual practice for eternal purposes. You know, when we fast, here's the thought. It's a personal discipline that brings the appetite of the natural man into a place of submission to God and into a place of heightened sensitivity and receptivity to the Holy Spirit. You know, how desperate are we for the Lord? You know, he walks with us. He comes freely into our lives. But, you know, uh, God wants to be pursued as well. How many of you, when you were dating, anybody remember those days? It doesn't seem like you're very excited about it. Oh, yeah, I remember. But, you know, you pursued one another, right? How many here men pursued your would-be wives? Anybody? I mean, you better raise your hand. I mean, if your wife is sitting near you, she didn't come cheap. You know that, right? You, 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 you pursued her. You developed an approach to to her. You know, an approach not because you had to, but your heart was so, so powerfully drawn to her that you invested time in how you could build relationship together. And God wants us to have a desire for him that causes us to seek out every opportunity we can to have a relation, an active conversation or relationship with him. You know that, that's what God, he wants us to be so hungry for him that we're constantly looking for him everywhere. How many here are praying that God will help you to have the kind of appetite for him that says, I want to see God everywhere. I want to see God in the fire. I want to see him in the valley. I want to see him on the steep ascent to the mountaintop. I want to see him in the dry places. I want to see him in the pain that others are going through so that I will be inspired to direct their attention to the one who heals and to delivers. Stop seeing all of the other things that are worthless to focus on. And God, help us to see you. And you know, fasting really dials us into a, a focus because it begins to take away things that are, that are part of our routine And it causes us to focus our attention solely on on him. He becomes, our appetites turn toward him. Our hunger is his. You know, when I think about fasting here, I think about what the psalmist says. He says, my soul thirsts for the living God. Come on, church. Some of you look pretty stoic this morning. I'm not sure. Did I do something wrong Robin told me I could wear this, church, this shirt to church. So I, if you're, you're having a problem with my little speckled, womanly looking shirt, I asked Robin this morning, he said, You sure this is a woman's shirt? Uh, but anyhow, how many of you are thirsting after God? If you're not, I'm going to say something that might sound self serving. Don't blame the preacher. If you're not thirsting for God, don't blame me. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame your neighbor. Don't blame your circumstances. Don't blame all of the other things that we can say, oh, I used to have such a hunger for God, but anymore, I just, uh, I just this life's too hard. Well, when it gets hard, then you get thirsty. And when you get thirsty, you go to the only thing that will satisfy, right? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and when you fast, it's just a way of, of of reminding ourselves that the thing that is my greatest hunger in life is my relationship with the Lord. You know, I, I want to say this because I, I am one who's pretty finicky about the, the, the fasting and prayer thing. I'm not into a lot of show with it. I'm not into, hey, let's compare notes. I'm doing the the carrot diet, I'm doing the, you know, I'm eating bark off the tree diet. I really don't care. I mean, if you want to share that to help someone or to give them some guidance as to how to approach, that's fine. But, you know, it's a very personal thing. You know how personal it is? Jesus said, don't act like the hypocrites because when they fast, they walk around with long faces and they want everybody to know, oh, I'm fasting today. How many know that fasting is not a spectator sport? You know, we don't even do it uh, just simply to, uh, to show God how much we love him because, you know, all of the things that need to happen in our hearts and lives will, will take place anytime we make God first. But fasting really dials in uh, our focus to the point of being exclusively Jesus. I believe that as we, we, we fast according to Scripture and as God has proven over and over again that God heals people, He heals nations, He brings deliverance, He manifests His presence. And it's just not simply because people are fasting to somehow appease God or please God or doing it for others to see, but it's that fasting where people say, you know, at this period, you always are, Lord, but I just want to take this focused time with you and me. I'm setting aside all of the appetites for other things just for a season so that I can exclusively without distraction. Give my, you know, people say, well, I can't fast food because I take medication. Well, I just say this. Sometimes one of the some of the things that we can get away from are the TV, the computer, right? Come on, church. Facebook. Come on, somebody with me a little bit. Uh, I mean, get away from all of these other things that eat up so much time. To me, that's just as just this significant right because it's something that occupies a tremendous amount of our time and focus and what would happen and I did it for a year and I, I probably should do it again I, you just I, I got out of it for a whole year just shut it down for a year and you know I thought man I'm so nosy I need to know what's going on God how can I pray if I don't know everyone's dirty laundry how can I pray for the, for the person in the White House uh, uh, if he's there? How can I pray for the, for the person in the White House if, I, if I'm not keeping up on all of it on Facebook? Don't you know God can tell you how to pray? How many believe you should pray for your leaders? Every single one of them. Come on, church. Well, you say I'm a Republican. I can't vote for a dem. I can't. Pr- well, I can't vote, and I don't pray for Democrats. I'm telling you, that's not not a good deal. God is neither a Republican nor a Democrat. How many of you, is that blowing your socks off today? You know, because you're sitting there saying, "Well, I've always thought God was a Republican because we have the same platform as He does." I'm going to tell you, number one, that's not true. God is neither a Republican or a Democrat. God is God, right? How many know God doesn't have to be anything other than who he is, and we need to understand that God is God. Come on, church, say God is God. God God. He doesn't need anyone else or anything else to be God. You know, church, we look at fasting and prayer, and we need to fast for our nation. We need to fast for those in our leadership, Here's what I'm going to say just as a just so that we keep this in mind this is not to put water on anything. Jesus said when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. You hear him? He says when you fast. And so in some way we need to be practicing those personal discipline because it strengthens our focus. It winnows it down to just a, a very narrow focus and it's the Lord. But there's a fine line between true humility and show. Fasting is not the goal, and it is not to show how spiritual we are, how much we love Jesus. I really get, I don't, I get very irritated when people imply that if you really love Jesus, you will fast or you will go to church. I'll tell you why, because I used to say this. If you really love Jesus, you'll be in church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And one day God said to, to me, who are you? Who are you to say that? Does anybody hear me? I felt like I can hear Crickets. You say, you're a pastor and you're not encouraging people. Oh, I am, but I I don't want, you know, just understand this, that, uh, you know, I believe the devil, if at all possible, he'll come to church as well. But we don't do it to put a show on. How many didn't come here because you were trying to impress someone or something to just let others know, hey, I'm going to church? God wants you to be the church, not tell everyone how often you go to church. You know, because when you realize you are the church, you realize it's not limited to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It's a 24-7 till you die and he takes you into his presence proposition. Come on, how many know it's more important for the world to see you as the church than to know how often you go to church? And if you're sitting here though thinking, well, we're off the hook. The pastor said we don't have to go to church. I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying you. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to go to church. I think we just got to turn the whole thing around. I get to go to church. I get to pray. I get to fast. Come on, that's your choice. I get to fast. I get to pray. I get to worship. I get to speak the things of God. Motives are often the. Product of understanding. Now here's you want to know what I mean by that. Sometimes when we talk about fasting and prayer, we guilt people into doing it. Oh, if you don't if you don't do it when I do it, you don't pray when I pray, and you don't pray like I pray, and if you don't it sounds kind of like a man who stood before the publican, right? Remember when he said, Oh, I fast twice a week, and I give my tithes. What was that? Yeah, right. You know, that's the kind of thing, you know, that doesn't we're not we're not in this to impress God because he sees through it all anyhow. But we understand that we're not doing it for show, we're not doing it to be seen of men, but we want God to reveal to us who he is and who we are and how we can become one with him. When people do not understand something, they do it because they're told to do it a certain way. And oftentimes, how many times have we told people, we need to fast, and you've got people sitting there thinking, I don't even know what this is. And then we, they hear us imply that if they, if, they, if they don't fast, they don't really love Jesus. And then you've got a person number one who doesn't understand what fasting's about, and number two, they're, they 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 know that if they don't do it, they're disqualified as a Christian. So then they just do these things because they're afraid or they feel guilty because everybody else is on the tree bark diet or the pickle diet or the prune juice diet or the abstinence diet. And they say, well, which one do I do? i got to do something, and I, I, have to, I have to perform. I've got to do this. Church, people need to know why fasting is of benefit. It's a discipline, but yet it's, it's full of benefit, and it's not because we have to. Jesus says in Matthew 23, 15, if you, you say, well, I don't understand what you mean when you say that Um. um a lack of, you know, education or information is critical to the creating proper motives. Matthew 23, 15. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you cross land and sea to make one convert. And then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. You want to know... How many know that when a kid is young, you know, our kids, we had, our, it, was dim, it was not a democracy about going to church. How many know what I'm talking about? You say, well, everybody's got a different way of, no, well, I, you know, on Sunday morning, we you're in the house, let's go. We're heading out the door to church. But, you know, the big thing is we wanted them to have a relationship with Jesus Not simply us them taking them to church and then they see something different Sunday through Sunday. And then over the course of time, they're saying, you know what? You've made us go to church and now I don't want to go anymore. And that could be for a lot of reasons. Maybe it's influence outside the home. It could be just whatever people are led by. But understanding something. Bringing your family to church will not drive them away from God. So I have to think about that. No, I'm saying you you have a healthy relationship with God. You bring your family. How many believe that bringing your kids to God will not drive them away from him? And if you live it at home, and I'm not putting guilt and blame on anybody. I'm just saying, as we look forward, if we live this at home, it makes it so much easier. You know, not just laying down the have-tos. If you don't pray, kid, you're going to hell. And if you don't, you, you don't sit up in your chair, I'm going to knock, you know, knock you for a loop. I, I've used that phrase. But uh, <laughs> what I'm saying, they've got to see Jesus in this thing they got to see the love of God in this thing. Oh, they need to know the truth. And, you know, something, I, Robin knows, I was, the, I was both easy and the disciplinarian. But I saw the need for discipline in our family. We never debated the importance of that. But what I'm saying, there has to be this love that they're introduced to. We're living epistles. How many here are a living epistle? You know, this morning, if you want me to finish, you've got to give me a little feedback here. They, you know, you, can't, you can tell a kid their whole life they have to go to church, but if they don't really understand why and they don't see the value of it, at some point they're going to cut that off. They're going to say, I don't really understand. You told us we had to go to church all the time. You told me I have to pray all the time, but you never really helped me to understand the benefits of doing that. How many know, church, people need to know more than just you have to? You know, you don't have to fast. If you fast, it doesn't make you more spiritual than someone else. But God will release and do a tremendous work in your life that will impact and affect. So I'm going to just finish here real. Jesus said, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. Who with a sad countenance, they disfigure their faces. How many believe that God doesn't want Christians to be miserable? Oh, you know, we don't smile because we're afraid we might not appear holy. I want to tell you, I like people that smile. Smile, smile at someone. I mean, if you don't have your teeth in, they don't care. They <laughs> say, I went to church today, and I smile. Go out the door, smile at somebody. Robin knows as I've gotten older, I think it's just simply because I've lost inhibition. I say things to people all the time. I try to engage people as often as I can. Jesus gives us opportunities to do it all the time. You know what? Come on, let, let down the inhibitions. So what? You, you may never see them again. So what are you afraid if they don't like you? Be kind to people. Notice people. Don't be a stalker and steer, staring at someone or leering at them from behind the boxes at Walmart. But just acknowledge people. Be intentional. People wait on us. Show them that this isn't about the have tos. This is I. I get to live this life. You know, you want Bethel to grow? Then it's got to have people in the church who love living with, for Jesus with with people in and out of the church who just love life because Jesus is the. He's he's putting everything together. Oh. You know, I, you know, if you go home and all you do is talk about how long the sermon was or how ch- long church was or, you know, what do you expect your kids to do? And they hear you whining about it. Your grandkids hear you and, uh, you know, and then you say, oh, you've got to go to church when you grow up because if you don't, you're going to burn. You know, we used to have these evangelistic mottos that we taught the youth when we were in Lancaster cry or fry, saved or microwaved, turn or burn. Not much theology and not much compassion in either of them, but, you know, sometimes people need to see Jesus. Bethel's not going to grow because the pastor's going to suddenly become Moses descending from the mountain but it's when the church arises in its identity and in the true passion of prayer and fasting and all of these disciplines, not I have to, but because, God, you've provided them for me to get stronger. I'm going to ask our musicians. I'm not quite finished here, but let me read you one more here. This is in Isaiah 58, God speaking to Israel. He says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people, Israel, of their sins. Got to hear this whole thing now. Don't tune out because if you tune out, you're not going to hear it. He says, yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day. And seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want me to be near. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves in ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you hear this word from God to Israel? This is God speaking. He says, do you really think this will please God? No, this, kind of, uh, this is the kind of fasting I want. This is the part we really need to hear today. We need to hear it all, but this is really important. Free those are wrongly imprisoned lighten the burden of those who work for you let the oppressed go free remove the chains that bind people share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression, stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will give you and will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted uh, ruins of your cities and then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will delight, will be your delight. Then the Lord will be your delight. Come on, church, say that with amen to that one. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy your inheritance. You know, as we, we look at that scripture here, I'm gonna say just a, f- a few little Bullet points here. Fasting is a biblical way to truly humble yourself in the sight of God if it's done in the right motive. It enables the Holy Spirit, you know, God can do anything, but He really chooses to do only what He's invited to do internally within your heart. Jesus stands at the door and He knocks, right? And he's waiting for the door. It enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition. It lays away, rips off the facade, resulting in brokenness, repentance, and a transformed life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in the book, The Cost of Discipleship, said, Jesus takes it for granted that his disciples will observe the custom of fasting. Strict exercise of self-discipline is an essential feature of the Christian life. Why do people fast? Well, you have to look to Scripture. And I'll give you just some examples to take with you. People fast to prepare for ministry. Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness fasting and praying before he began the work that he had been assigned to on earth. People fast to seek wisdom. Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted for the elders of the church before committing them to the Lord for his service. To show his grief, Nehemiah mourned and fasted and prayed when he learned Jerusalem's walls remained broken down, leaving the Israelites vulnerable and disgraced. You know, Nehemiah's prayers and tears were not for a show. They were because God had really brought home the state of his people and broken, broke his heart. We fast to seek deliverance and protection. Ezra declared a fast, a corporate fast, for a safe journey for the Israelites as they made the 900-mile trek to Jerusalem from Babylon. We fast to repent. Jonah pronounced judgment upon the city of Nineveh, and the king covered himself with sackcloth and dust, and he ordered the people to fast and pray. Jonah three ten says, "When God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented and did not bring on them the destruction He had threatened." We fast to gain victory. You know, there's specific battles that we've got to pray through and we need to just be as lean as we can be spiritually filled with only an appetite for the things of God. After losing 40,000 men in battle in two days, the Israelites cried out to God for help. And in Judges 20, 26, we read that the people went up to Bethel, and they sat weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening. The next day, the Lord gave them a victory over the Benjamites. Would you stand with me? We do it to worship the Lord. You remember there was in Luke chapter 2 an 84-year-old prophetess named Anna. In verse 37, we're told she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Anna was devoted to God, and fasting was one of her expressions of love for God. You know, this morning as we talk about fasting, and next week we're going to talk about scriptural focus, I'm really excited about that. See, this stuff has to be shared. It has to be part of our... Instruction, you know, these disciplines. You know, you can't just say, Hey, you got to pray. But if you're going to tell your kids they need to pray, pray with them and show them how wonderful prayer really is. Show them how much of a blessing prayer is. Share scripture with them that shows that Jesus prayed. Share stories with them of how God has answered prayer. Share with them that about the times that the only thing that got you through was your prayer time, your prayer connection with God. You see, you want your kids to, to be excited about prayer, then they need to know why they should be excited about prayer. And the only way they can really know why they should be excited about praying is to see you pray and to pray with you and to see how exciting of a proposition it is to pray the prayer of faith. Powerful prayers of faith, prayers of faith that sustain us in the difficult times. Talk about fasting. To me, I listen to people talk about fasting, and they could give a Ph.D. on all the elements of fasting. But you know, the average person just would like to know why. Why should I? Why should I fast? What? 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 What is it? A, is it in the Bible? Why should I do it? And again, there's no greater. Example than Jesus, no greater example fasting is a very important part of our lives, but you know I don't want my kids and my grandkids. my kids are grown i can't you know they're they're old, not me, just they're they're old older, but i want I want their kids to be. Another generation of those who love and serve the Lord, not because they're riding someone else's coattails, not because they're riding someone else's experience, but because they are are instructed and they're taught about and they're shown and they're loved to the point where they're going to say, Man, this is the best thing going. And when they hear mom and dad say it's prayer time, it's not like a punishment. Because, hey, we're going to talk to God today. And God's going to talk to us. One thing I do appreciate is when we teach our children that God is a communicator and he wants to speak into your heart. How many think that's a good thing? Kids know that not only do they talk at God, but God speaks with them. See, we've talked about two disciplines in a very brief. And I know I I just did the best I could. So I'm sure you'd get it broken down and laid out in such a systematic way somewhere. But I'm saying to you today, these disciplines are going to put us over the top, man. They are going to lead us through. We're going to run through walls. We're going to climb the steepest inclines. We're going to walk through the deepest valley. We're going to go in the lion's den knowing the lions don't have any authority over us. Come on, church. You know, these things are, are conditioning you for running this thing because sometimes we get weary, sometimes we get tired, sometimes we get frustrated. Lord God Almighty, we need you today. And Father, we are committed to our prayer life because it is our lifeline. If you don't know Jesus today, today's the day. Don't say I'm going to do it tomorrow because no one has a guarantee of tomorrow. But today's a wonderful day. And God's saying, come to me. This isn't as complicated as religion makes it sound. Sometimes we put so many obstacles in front the people along the way say, I don't want to run anymore. I don't want to do this. It's just tiring. And, you know, when you come to Jesus, there are, there is a cost that will cost you your whole life. But you understand that everything that he gives back to you will be so much better. I want to say, if you're here and you need Jesus today... And you just know you don't have that inner peace because you've never really thought about why it is that you don't have that peace. And God's saying, I love you and I want you to have that peace. I want to I I clean you and I want to make you ready and I want to fill you with goodness and joy. I want to make you a champion, not a loser, not an also rant. Don't ever let anybody tell you you're a loser. If you're a believer, you're a winner. And this isn't one of those uh, little things where we just run around telling everybody they're a winner. God says you're a winner. The Word says you're a winner. I am more than a conqueror. I'm not deficient. I'm not defective in in my armor. You know, that's the thing that gets us, right? We put on the whole armor of God. It's not up to what we can do or what we can't do. It's not about our limitations. It's about what God will do. you don't know Jesus, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you're seated, wherever you're seated or standing, I want you to pray with me. Because this will be the moment, this will be the moment that everything changes. Now, when I say that, I believe that when you get saved, you become a child of God. You are brought out of a condemned state. And you are justified before God, by God, through the shed blood of Christ, your life is made Right Now, I do believe that you continue to grow and advance in that relationship and you mature just like a a physical birth. The spiritual birth is today when you give your heart to Jesus and you will grow and you will be nurtured in the things of God. Father, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. All of us have sinned, Lord. We have a sin nature, Lord God, that strives against you. And Lord God, I even though I try my best, I just find myself being, Lord, completely discouraged by my inability to live the kind of life that I believe is possible to live somehow. I receive you as the somehow to live that life that is, is purposeful and pleasing. Lord, I, I you are that person who I believe can give me a true understanding of who I am and why I'm here. And I receive redemption through Christ as I lay down my sin. I ask, Lord, that you give me new life as I willingly turn my feet, my body, my life in another direction. And I know that God in me is going to give me the strength to keep on growing. It's getting late and I'm going to, I know you say it's getting late. and I, I know, but I want you to hear this this morning. It's getting late, I'm running out of time. Running out of time, you say, "Well, I don't believe all the, I don't believe the way you believe." Well, here, just let me say that this thing is winding down. It's winding down. Whether it winds down on on the on this earth, or whether it winds down for you, it's winding down. I'm going to ask this as we close in prayer. Who in this place wants to live the most radical years in the, in the remaining years of your life, the most radically charged years of your life for Jesus that you've ever lived? How many want to live that life? The most radically charged years of your life in the remaining years of your life you 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 say it's not god doesn't want this to be first church of the empty nets he wants his nets full Lord, I pray that there will be a baptism in the Holy Spirit that will just, Lord, just immerse this church, Lord God, in identity and purpose and power and love. Lord, that we will walk out of this place so charged up because God is in us. God is in us and he wants to break out and he wants to be known. God's in you today and he wants to break out. He doesn't want to be held prisoner inside of you. He wants to be free to flow through you. He doesn't want your mouth to be used for unprofitable conversation. He wants our mouths to be vessels through which truth is spoken. Life is spoken. Redemption is spoken. Forgiveness is spoken. Lord, you want these mouths to be used for you. These hands to be used for your glory. These feet to be used. God, we commit today. Lord, we make a prayer of, we make a prayer. We make a decision and we will follow it through with your help that we are going to live the remainder of our lives in the most radical, Radical power of the living God that we have ever walked in I'm not saying we just become more obnoxious and more religious we're kicking that side, that stuff to the curb, we're kicking that out that doesn't have any place in what God wants to do in your life in the years to come, I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit, I want to be so full of the love of God I want to be so full of the boldness that just gives me the ability to Walk where devils would fear to even come around. How many say, God, grow your, grow your church through me? Come on now. I mean, grow your church through me. Grow your church through me. Lord, you're the Savior. You're the head. You're the foundation. I'm your vessel. Flow through me. Love through me. Forgive through me. Hug through me. Speak life through me. Lord God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. How many really want to live a dynamic, powerful life? When they put you in the ground, you know, they realize that this this guy here, this lady here, they're not staying. Their body's not staying here. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and those who remain shall be caught up. They live such a powerful life in Christ that there ain't no way this ground's ever going to keep them. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG Littlestown, Pennsylvania.